this is something that I'm going to tell you. The people reading just the title, the Cleveland Browns Cinematic Universe. Now, very neat. <laughs> yeah, I want to give all credit to where it's uh, due. One nine hundred hot dog podcast I listen to. It's a Sean Baby from the old crack days, where they just talk about some of the most ridiculous things. One day they did this Masters of the Gridiron, this Cleveland Browns, I guess you call it short film or something. <laughs> and I was listening to this thing going, this has got to be made up. And you mm-hmm. can go find it on YouTube. This yep. like 15-minute thing made by the 86 Cleveland Browns. And then I learned in while I was just researching that, saying, oh, I got to have Ty watch this, that there are actually four movies oh. that this version of the Cleveland Browns made this like uh, mid to late 80s and there's like a Christmas special what? I have <laughs> yes I have only been able to find two of these things so yeah. if you're listening and you know where the other two Cleveland Browns videos are I've got American money I'll pay to to watch these things cuz I don't know that I would pay American money to watch <laughs> these things again Let's talk about how this happened I'm going to give as I get your reactions to some of these things we'll go through the plot here the storyline so spoilers people but we'll go through we're going to do the first one where the first half's going to be this Masters of the Gridiron second half's going to be something called DT Dog Territory D-A-W-G territory. Yes, yes. <laughs> and some familiar faces for those of us that loved, say, by the Bell, the college years for some reason. <laughs> I want to go back to how this all started, how this all came about. And some of you guys might be listening to this and go, the Cleveland Browns, they were an excellent, excellent team. And I'm going to talk about what happened to that time. When you sent me these. So we were supposed to do this last week. My kids were on vacation or in spring break, so I was out of town. I've had these movies in my inbox and my email for, for two weeks now, and I watched them yesterday. So it's it's incredibly fresh to me. And while I was watching it yesterday, actually, I thought, why did these teams make movies? Like, who was this for? Was Cleveland really that good? And I looked up the 86 team in particular because I recognized Ernest Biner right away and saw that they were 12-4 and four and made it to the second round of the playoffs. So they were a legit good football team. Oh, you're going to be blown away when I actually talk about the end of their season. Okay. <laughs> so how does this happen? The year prior, the 85 season, legendary Chicago Bears. I mean, this was a team that I remember this year. There was, at the beginning of the football season, everybody kept saying, talking about how Buffalo's unstoppable. The Buffalo Bills are going to win everything. My son was even like, has any team ever had hype like this? And I go, yes, the 85 Chicago Bears had this kind of hype. It was mm-hmm. almost an inevitability that this team was going to win. Now, about midway through the season or something, suddenly on MTV, you had uh, this show up. They called me sweetness, and I like to dance. Running the ball is like making more mans. We had the goal since training camp to give Chicago a Super Bowl champ. And we're not doing this because we're greedy. The Bears are doing it to feed the needy. We didn't come here to look for trouble. We just come here to do the Super Bowl shot. Walter Payton's not a Hall of Fame hip-hop artist, Ty. I'm not May he rest in peace, man. <laughs> yeah. Hey, at least they're not there to be greedy. They're just doing it to feed the needy. <laughs> yeah. So the Bears were, I mean, you want to talk about one of the greatest flexes of all time in the middle of the season. They put this out, this video, and I mean, it is so terrible, people. And that I played just under a minute of that song. That song's like four and a half minutes long. <laughs> I believe the refrigerator even has his own verse in that song. Yeah, at, at least they gave Peyton the first one because yeah. he didn't get a touchdown in the Super Bowl. And then the Bears went on to win the Super Bowl. They were 15 Dominated. and one and Yeah, just killing. So the next year, a couple of Cleveland Browns, Mike Babb, and as I go and do my research, I can't figure out what damn position he played. Sorry, I wasn't a big Cleveland guy back then, but some defensive defensive line or linebacker position. He and his wife cooked up this idea that they wanted to do their own Super Bowl shuffle. The Browns were a very good team. They were 
they were supposed to compete that year. They were supposed to be really good. So before the season started, he talked to all his Cleveland Browns friends. He said, look, there's this old house out in the Cleveland woods where I I really love Conan comics. My wife and I wrote this little movie. Do you guys want to do it? The only uh, the ones that said yes said, yeah, well, we'll go ahead and do it. The only thing I want to know is, do I have a line in it? Ty, I'm going to tell you right now, everybody, he got to do this thing. So he's got Ernest Biner, like you said. I think it's Dan Fike or Fikey. Hanford Dixon, who was the guy that invented the whole idea of the dog pound. He was like used to bark at people when he was in the back. Uh, Bob Golick, Ozzie Newsome. Clay Matthews, Clay Matthews Sr., not Clay Matthews Uh, Sr. The one I find really funny is uh, Mike Pagel, who, when we get to his part of the movie... He was the quarterback, but he was he was like the third string quarterback. Bernie Kosar okay, was yeah, the quarterback. I was say, wasn't yeah. <laughs> and then Tiny Tim. Yeah. Yep. One of my <laughs> notes. I told you off mic. One of my notes was is Tiny Tim the bad guy? And then at the end I wrote in parentheses, yes. <laughs> so Do you know anything about Tiny Tim? I know that Tiny Tim played a ukulele. So it's interesting because I mixed it him and Emo Phillips up a lot, yeah. but Emo Phillips is like a legit musician. Tiny Tim was like a Almost, I almost want to say he was like a uh, Andy Kaufman s type character, but he was a musician who became an actor who had like this weird run. But I, I vaguely, I mean, the fact that I was able to point out Tiny Tim in this movie that came out when I was four years old, I think, uh, yeah, I know who Tiny Tim is. Yeah, going a little bit of a head here, but there is a live bear in this movie. Yes, there is. And when <laughs> I was doing my research on this, the legend is this might have been in the one nine hundred hot dog podcast that Tiny Tim. Would and this is a quote, I'm not coming out of this castle until that effing bear is gone. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that was another one of my notes. Guy wrestles bear question marks. <laughs> yeah. All right, so let's let's get to the movie here. So yeah. it starts off killer synth soundtrack like every eighties movie should have. And you you get some B roll of like a Cleveland Browns football game. Yeah, and it's not even like that's another thing I wrote. The highlights are like five yard out fast <laughs> yeah, plays yeah. and stuff. Like that. Well, those were the Bernie Kosar uh, Cleveland Browns, but and this is at the time Marty Schottenheimer was their coach. Okay, yeah, they show him in their quote yep. unquote highlight reel. They're showing this before the game. Sorry, they're all in the locker room. One of the players, I can't remember who it was is combing his hair, brushing his hair, and he gets so mad that he rips his shirt off and Urgh. starts brushing his his yeah, <laughs> which, which I didn't get if that was like a cocaine or a steroid reference <laughs> yeah. or both. I don't And then some dude comes in and he's like, guys, settle down. I got a note from the mayor of Cleveland. Go out there and win today. They're all like, oh, yeah, yeah. I couldn't tell if that was a real thing either or if that was part of the movie. It didn't make any sense. You know, you got to fill 15 minutes somehow. I guess so. And then the game goes on and our hero, Mike Babb, gets concussed. Okay, that was another one of my notes is, is he concussed, question mark. Yeah. What I, had. I mean, he's, he's on the ground, everything's hazy, the trainers are out there, all the players are around, they're like, bab, wake up, wake up. Now, like, at the up, time, yeah. too, he had a little cheering section that called themselves the Barbarians. And so, okay. and he was already really, yeah, oh yeah. So he was already really interested in Conan and stuff. Next thing you know, he wakes up and there's some dude in a cloak, some cape or something. Mm-hmm. I believe it's Ozzy Newsome, isn't it? No, 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 no. This was some Uh-oh. white dude. This is at oh, the very okay. beginning. But I'm going to play, this is essentially the plot of the movie. So here, listen to this. Wake up. Wake so- up. <laughs> Arise, barbarian, no great warrior. I must send you on a journey, a journey that will test all of your warrior skills. A journey? What is this great journey you seek to send me on, O ruler of the city by the lake called Erie? (laughs) Barbarian, I beseech you to take your warrior clan in search of a great ring, a ring that is only worn by those known as the Masters of the Gridiron. The ring is now in the possession of the mysterious Lord of the League. All right, that makes sense, Ty? No. (laughs) So the funny thing, too, when I was watching this and the other movie that we're going to talk about is I... You know the Simpsons episode where they're snowed in and Skinner shows his movie and you see the stage hand walk on? I kept expecting that. Or like when Mike Mike Babar, you say his name, does his line of... Oh, no. What am I supposed to do? It's just so robotic. <laughs> such a poor line read. It's just this movie, this short, whatever the heck we're going to call it today, is is so pure 80s that I don't know <laughs> if there's a better way to describe it. Oh, no. So, But yeah, I, I think from the plot, 
they're talking about the Super Bowl ring, and that's what he has to go get. Yeah, he he blows a horn, and I'm not going to play this part because it's like four minutes long. But <laughs> oh, and they're all from the clan of Modella. Yep, that which Art Modella took. I, I immediately got that, and also they kept call, what do they call Lake Erie? The yeah. Great Lake. Erie. No, the city by the lake called Erie or something yeah, like that. Was, yeah. <laughs> I was rushing through this stuff. Well, so the first one from the plains of past Russia comes Golikon, Huzman, and Hairstone or something like that. Now, <laughs> Pass Russia, yeah, yeah. that's awesome. Do you remember what these three men were doing when they heard the horn? Uh, no, I don't. And I just watched it yesterday. They're holding down or bullying some normal-sized oh. dude with no shirt on. Because <laughs> it says, like, they can beat up anybody yeah, or something yeah. like that. Yeah, <laughs> and when, he's, when he stands up, he has no shirt on, but he's, like, wearing jeans. And they're all yeah, in, totally. like, you know, barbarian costumes I say here. it's a dude who looks like you or I that they're beating up. <laughs> yeah, <like>. yeah. <laughs> then there was uh, Hills of Linebacka yep. with Clay Rock and Nicolia, Nicolia or whatever. I know, I know that if any Cleveland Browns fans are listening, you're really mad at me. I'm sorry. Yeah, sorry. The village of Recivis with the magical wizard <laughs> who, who just kind of ran back and forth and they had some like laser sound effects. Yeah. Pew, pew. <laughs> there was the town of Corda, which was Pagolon, which, which again, that's the, the third string quarterback. Mm-hmm. You see him throw a javelin and then you hear yeah. somebody scream. <laughs> and he looks embarrassed so, so it's like he so wasn't he, yeah yeah he, he unintentionally murdered somebody yeah. That. he had uh minds of offensia which is fike the fierce uh bind thor mac mullen and uh ernest biner he actually they, they're all supposed to be like dungeons and dragons guys yeah did you notice what he had in his hand no no idea a shotgun Oh, we'll talk way more about guns and dog terror. Yes, yes, yes. So, and then there's the Hamlet of Interceptus that has Dixonus and he, Hanford Dixon, and he barks and he's like, and not like a big throaty bark, too. No, no, no. It's not, yeah, it's not what you would expect. And when they all assemble, you see one guy falls. Mm -hmm. Do you remember what they say to that guy? No. Must be from the USFL. Oh, now I remember. And then they all jump. (laughs) And then you get this whole little thing of them running in the woods. And then there's this castle. And then there's Tiny Tim, Lord of the League. Explain this to me. Child with yes, yeah. I'll get to that too. What was your impression of the Lord of the League? It was creepy as hell. Like when he showed up, first of all. Lord of the League, because they even mentioned, like, you'll have to fight lions and falcons yeah. and bears. And so they mentioned all that. And Lord of the League, I'm thinking, okay, it's going to be Mike Singletary or mm-hmm. somebody like that. Maybe somebody who won the Super Bowl in the previous years are Mike Dicka, Mike, just somebody. Mike Singletary is who came to mind. But then it's curly-haired, crappy-teeth-looking Tiny Tim who's standing <laughs> over there. And some child who clearly <laughs> looks like she does not want to be in this movie <laughs> is at his side, and she's delivering lines as well as Mike Babb does in there. It didn't make, again, none of this makes any sense, and people who don't know this are probably listening thinking that we're insane. <laughs> we're talking about something that we had a fever dream about, but Tiny Tim has a black cloak on, long curly black hair, <laughs> his messed up teeth, and he keeps like, you can't see because this is an audio mm. medium, but he like pulls his head back like most yes. villains do when they're <laughs> delivering lines the whole time. Yeah. It was insane. It was nuts. I couldn't believe it. So if if you think it's insane now, just wait to what you're about to hear in a minute, okay? Okay. All right. So he says they have to fight. Again, they're yeah. all barbarians and have a, axes and swords and a shotgun. And then suddenly you see a bunch of middle-aged, overweight <laughs> samurai dudes. Yeah, not even samurai. I would say they look like valets. Yes, yes. Standing there. And then, Ty, this happens.
point when that killer song kicks in. Describe the scene to me. <laughs> it is probably the worst yeah. choreographed fight scene. You mentioned the guy with the bear and their quote unquote wrestling. The, the dude is just hugging. Yeah, the bear. they're the like bear dancing. Yeah. 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 These valet samurai guys have bow staffs and they like keep swinging them underneath. The band that you hear, you say killer soundtrack. I wrote terrible 80s music. And the lead singer looks like a stand-up comedian from the late 80s, early 90s, because he's got like that moldy hair and that sport coat on. The rest of the band, I, is this like a local Cleveland band? Because okay. I've never heard of this band. It is the worst choreographed fight scene in the history of film. Okay, Ty, this is the Michael Stanley band. Yeah, they got a big, you know, their own title card at the end of the movie. Yeah, this is the second podcast we have talked about the Michael Stanley band. What? What so, did we talk about before? Okay, so I, I, I have to actually uh, put a correction out on this now. So, oh, okay. um, I looked this up. I looked up Michael Stanley because I'm like, who yeah. the hell is this guy? Yeah, and I come to find out that he passed away like a couple of years oh, ago but and he is a pretty well-known cleveland guy but the michael stanley band had the 47th video ever on mtv oh really oh so when we talked about mtv's yes opening day? and wow. i spent about two minutes talking about the michael stanley band because this particular video is a guy pining for a nurse but she likes the doctor and he's like the janitor and he gets hit by some boxes and ends up in the hospital and at the, I vaguely remember yeah. you talking about And this. while he's in the hospital, the guitarist comes in in a wheelchair while shredding <laughs> the guitar. And then the awesome. and then the saxophone is same thing. It ends up, I said at the time that Michael Stanley was the guy saying the song. Actually, wasn't him. He was oh, just okay. backing on the song. So there's my correction. But yes, All in right. the history of this podcast, wow. this is the second time we're talking about the Michael Stanley band. <laughs> and unfortunately, <laughs> I didn't remember them when I was watching no. it yesterday. But they get their whole title card at the end of the movie. Yes. It's not just like a bad 80s song and a montage. It keeps cutting between the band and the action. Yeah. And the <laughs> band is like out in the field with them while they're fighting. Yes. So if you were to remake this movie, why would the valet samurais not just kill the band members and then move on to the what are the barbarians or whatever the hell they're called? in this? Movie? Yes. And for a 15 minute movie. The Michael Stanley band video or whatever is four minutes of it. Yeah, it's a fourth of it. Because <laughs> I thought while watching it yesterday, I thought the song was going to cut after 30 seconds. Nope. And again, in my notes, the song is still going, question mark, is what I wrote. <laughs> it is so weird. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. And like that's the thing. The Again, I cannot emphasize how bad this choreography is <laughs> and it's even worse than the other movie we're going to talk about too but here it's just they're swiping with their bow staffs at feet and guys are jumping there's no flips there's no anything the wrestling it's like you said it's like the dude is dancing with the bear <laughs> yeah. and the trainer on set somehow found a way to keep the bear's mouth open so it looked like it was growling that's I, all that happens and i think it was dan fike who is the with the bear and also at one time you see like modern day medical staff dragging people off yeah. of the field. yeah because <laughs> this is supposed to be a barbarian thing yes it, it, it was it was nuts barbarian has to go Get the Lord of the League, which I thought if they won the fight, they were supposed to get the ring, yeah. but whatever. And no. he goes he goes into a castle that's not well lit at all. Very hard no, to see. It, it was, I kept like moving my, I was watching it on my home computer and I kept like moving my face and making the screen bigger and smaller, trying to get a better yeah. look. And then you learn that that child that's with Tiny Tim, he calls her Rain Wench. So yep. I guess that's her <laughs> and name. She, again, She's like 10 years yeah. old. I and she imagine. doesn't she doesn't get a title card at the end. So I don't even nope. know who that was. They're like, oh, here's the ring. And she's like all happy. And then Tiny Tim knocks him out. Yeah. <laughs> Next thing you know, he's back in the Cleveland Stadium. His, his buddies are like, wake up, Mike. Wake up, Mike. And he wakes up. Uh -huh. But Ty's not in his football uniform. No, again, <laughs> why? I, I'm reading this verbatim. Why was he not in football uniform at end of movie? That's what I said. He's in his barbarian costume. Everybody else is in their Cleveland Browns uniform. Yep. Why is he in that costume? So I think as the Cleveland cinematic, Cleveland Browns cinematic universe, I think they introduced the concept of the multiverse here. <laughs> I guess, but then the so that that is one of my last notes is why is he not in football uniform at the end? My very last note is who is this for? <laughs> that, that was my last note. So let's let's actually talk about that. End off this half here with what was this successful? Okay. 
Yeah, was it successful? That movie looked like it couldn't have cost. Again, if he's, uh, I'm sure the guys did it because it's a free trip to a cabin or whatever, and maybe they had to pay Tiny Tim, but this could not have been that expensive no. of a movie, of a short movie to make. So like I said at the beginning, Mike Babb and his wife actually came up with it, or I, it might have been Dan Fike. I can't remember off the top of yeah. my head, but they came up with this concept. They decided to team up with the United Way that they were going to give the proceeds to charity. Again, like Walter Payton says, we're not <laughs> greedy. We're here to feed the needy. Feed the needy yep. <laughs> they made like, I think it was 40,000 copies of it and it sold out. Really? Yeah. I mean, wow. people okay. just went absolutely nuts for it. So it was kind of a big deal, I guess, at the time to everybody was like, oh, look, it's our own Super Bowl shuffle. And when it came out, the Browns were six and three on the season at the time. Okay. They ended the season 12 and 4. Yeah, I, that's what I read. They went all the way to the AFC title game. Yeah. Which they lost to Denver in overtime. And mm-hmm. they were winning at the they were winning and then there was a, I mean this is so famous it has a name, the drive. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, that Denver did the drive, tied up the game and then won in overtime. And as a matter of fact, Cleveland even had the ball first in overtime. But we're three and out. So oh. they didn't make the Super Bowl. And nope. at the time, there was um, the, didn't the, I'll go didn't the 49ers end up beating the Broncos anyway that year? It was the Giants that beat them that year. Okay, that's right. Yep. And then supposedly when they found out that they were like, oh, Bab's wife was all like, oh, was really sad and was really distraught. And Mike's like, it's okay, honey. We'll get him next year. She was like, no. We just lost $250,000 because if you guys went to the Super Bowl, they, somebody was going to pick this up and distribute it nationally. What? Yeah. This 15-minute <laughs> movie was going to be distributed nationally if the Cleveland Browns had won the Super Bowl? Yep. Oh, thank goodness for small miracles. <laughs> and, then, and then they said uh, Bab or, again, I can't remember if it was Bab or Fike, punched the window out of their car. He was so angry. <laughs> oh, boy. I <laughs> Again, I've never seen the Christmas, the the Star Wars Christmas holiday special. This might be the worst thing I've ever seen. <laughs> oh, the Star Wars holiday special is way worse, and it's well, an hour and a half long. <laughs> I was going to say this might be the worst thing I've ever seen until we talk about what we're going to talk about. I was about to say, yeah, this is <laughs> this is a masterpiece. But yeah, Masters of the Gridiron, a little, little I, I'll, I'll visit this at the end of the podcast. I'll talk about if we think this could ever happen again or what would be great projects. This is a piece of, like you said, it's not great, but it's a piece of football history, tie. It's a piece of entertainment history we just cannot well, allow to be lost. And people who are nostalgic for the 80s, go watch this movie. There is a hor- <laughs> horrible choreographed fight scene with this band playing a very 80s song in the background. And you want to hear the full song? You get the full. Okay, Ty. Like I said, I'm not totally certain where all four of these movies fit in. But the two that I have, one was from 86 and the other was from 1988. So there's got to be an 87 one in there. Yeah, there must be. And again, in my research, I think I heard the Christmas special was the first one. So again, I don't know. DT for in dog territory. And like you said, D-A-W-G. Yeah. First note, title is trash. Oh, it's terrible. (laughs) Masters of the Gridiron has this kind of weird cheesiness to it. And it's 15 minutes and it's like, oh, this, this is a big budget disaster. Uh, yeah, I saw the runtime was 24 minutes, and I'm like, okay, let's see if I can get through this. <laughs> and you could tell a, a few things, and I'm going to say some positive things about some people here. You might You're going to say some positive things oh, about this? Yes, it compared to uh, Masters of the Great right. Iron, but right. I think this story is way more coherent. I disagree. <laughs> I, I, think, I think Bob Golick is actually not as terrible of an actor as anybody in Masters of the Great Iron or the rest of the people in this movie. Like, disagree uh, <laughs> but let, let's go ahead and get to the the quote-unquote story here now well second note for me <laughs> before you get into it is all caps ufo with four question marks and these are some very plan nine from outer space type uh effects here and yeah it's bad it's real bad <laughs> the beginning is almost like a lethal weapon movie without the like you know jazzy tune it's it's quiet it's kind of eerie now ty this is not a child playing the dog okay no it sounds like an adult yes this is a good time for me to talk about john rinaldi he's four foot two 
but he is the guy that plays the alien dog or whatever. DT. We'll, yes. Now, John Rinaldi, as I said, when I went and I did some research in this, because I thought to myself, okay, here's a guy, he's he's using his hands properly, he's projecting, he's moving his body. This is like Tiny Tim. This is somebody that knows what they're doing. He may not be great, but he knows how to act, how to do this. He's that had stuff. training. Yeah. Right. I found out now that oh, I forgot who directed um who directed Masters of the Gridiron, but they never did anything else again. Uh, but I did look up the director of this one. His name's uh, Charles Shadowski. I thought it was just a local Cleveland person. No, he's actually directed a couple of things in time. I believe he's still alive, too, but I'm on IMDb. Let me click his name here. Yeah, he's he's done some TV stuff, but he's and he's acted in a couple little things here. But the big thing is, he used to do a show, Chuck Shadowski, did a like a, a local show with John Rinaldi. Okay. Okay. So for a long time in Cleveland called the Big Chuck and Little John Show. Okay. And it ran from 1979 to 2007. Holy cow. That's, yeah. that's a run. <laughs> and it would, it, they'd be like little skits and all this other stuff. So they were extremely well known in the Cleveland area. Probably more well known than the Michael Stanley band, to be honest with you. <laughs> Probably they were yeah. they were property. So this guy who had a, a long, long career, he'd worked with one time with like Tim Conway and stuff. This Chuck Shadowski, wow. yeah. he directed this and he got his his co host to to be DT. Which, <laughs> to get the name DT, I thought it was hilarious because you mentioned Bob Golick and John Rinaldi as DT says something to him like, "Oh, my name's this or whatever," and Bob Golick. Again, I don't think he's a great actor. Says, I'm just going to call you DT. There's no D or T in his name, I believe, prior to that. You see this this person in a... Oh, I'm sorry. There's one more thing I wanted to say about uh, John Rinaldi. Famously, and I think it was 2015, the Cincinnati Bengals were going to play the Cleveland Browns and their new quarterback, Johnny Manziel. And I think this huh. is... I believe it was up in Cleveland. And before it, somebody had asked then-Cincinnati coach Marvin Lewis... What kind of stuff has he has the team looked at when it comes to Johnny Manziel? And Marvin Lewis responded that that midget doesn't scare us. Uh. So the Browns had John Rinaldi go to a press conference and ask Marvin Lewis about it. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. So, so you know, Browns, I know that's that's I never thought I would give the Cleveland Browns any uh, any love. No. So anyways, they. You see him, and you can tell he's supposed to be an alien, and he sees these Hershey's, and he just eats yeah. them wrapper on and everything. Again, my first thought was, <laughs> again, I wrote in my notes here, Hershey's equal Reese's Pieces, a la E.T. Yes. E.T. question mark? Yes. So. And then he goes to hide, and then you see Bob Golick, like, has a, he's not concussed. He has an arm injury or shoulder injury or something, and he sees DT, and they scream at each other, and then they have this exchange. Well, actually, I'm a fetch ball player, and I was on my way to the intergalactic championship game when my spaceship was hijacked by the ruthless Somalia team. They'll stop at nothing to win the championship game, and they figure if they dognap me, they'll win the game paws down. Well, you've got to be pretty important then. Well, I guess the league considers me the MVD. MVD? Most valuable dog. Oh, well... We've got something in common, then. What's that? I know Hanford Dixon. I, I, I have a note right here. I'm sure there was a dog joke that flew over my head. I don't know anything about Hanford Dixon. <laughs> Hanford Dixon was the one that created the dog pound. He was yeah, like, because yeah, he would bark just, at people. Yeah. Okay. So does he mean from the dog pound or that Hanford Dixon is a dog? Because the way Bob Golick turns his head, it's like he's making a joke. Yeah. I, so at first I thought that maybe Hanford Dixon had won the MVP award at one time, <laughs> which he had not. But I think it was just the second time I watched it, it was like, oh, he's like, I know something about dogs because I know Hanford Dixon and he barks at people. Okay. All right. That's anyway. That's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that's my only thing that I could think of. Also, we got to remember that that uh, Golik couldn't say DT's name. That's why he calls him DT. But then the dog can't say Golik's name, so he calls him Go Bob. Yeah, Go Bob. And also, I don't know if you plan on talking about it or if it's one of the clips or whatnot. But DT is from the planet K nine. Yeah, again, I, that was before says, this clip. Yeah, right. My note says Planet K nine. <laughs> Oof. So. <laughs> 
Yeah, and this is, uh, you see, like, the evil Somalians or whatever, their space Yes, I looked it up because I'm like, are they is bad-mouthing it? Somalians? <laughs> okay, people? I'm glad you did. And I saw it was Somalians. <laughs> so you see their terrible effects and all that mm. stuff. Now, the queen or whatever, her name was... Big title card at the end of it, too. Yeah, uh, Holly Potasek. Yeah. So having seen this twice now, I actually think that's the same girl from Masters of the Gridiron. Oh, really? I okay. don't know if it is. So I'm wondering. I might if, have to watch it again, too. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if she's somebody's kid or something like that. Yeah. yeah anyways, because it's another young girl. And I was like listening to their voices. I go, I wonder if that's the same person. But I'm not. I bet it. you're right. Yeah, I bet you're right. And then she just decides to start vaporizing army people. So an intergalactic war has now broken out in Cleveland. With quite possibly the worst graphics I've ever seen. When they're <laughs> shooting their phaser guns or whatever, well, it is literally squiggly green and red lines that go across your screen. And they hit nothing. Yeah. But again, an intergalactic war is now yes, broken. Yeah, up. absolutely. They're, they're really determined to get DT. Yeah. And then Bob Golick needs to enlist some help. So he sees Ernest Biner and Hanford Dixon not having a fake conversation at all. Totally natural. Yeah, I mean, it's, <laughs> it's so bad. It's almost like they're just saying rhubarb to one another like they tell extras to yes, do in yeah. the background. My favorite part about it is so Golik goes over, hey, can you guys hang out a minute? I, I need to talk to you. And I think it's Hanford Dixon's wearing, like, a tuxedo. Just <laughs> a not suit, yeah. <laughs> <A full> suit, yeah. <laughs> And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, man, yeah, man. And then they start talking to wonder what he needs. And then Hanford Dixon goes, why are we whispering? <laughs> <laughs> It's probably the best cut they could get. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> it, we're good. Yeah. The three Cleveland Browns are bringing DT out and suddenly a big fight, which has that awesome fight choreography again. <laughs> yeah, it's it's so bad. It's just like they let Bob Golick choreograph all these <laughs> fight scenes in this one. And I'll tell you, so I took a course in college called uh, Stage Combat. You learn how mm -hmm. to fake fight, basically. Yeah. And there are things you do, like you stage certain ways, so you're not hitting people, but the people think you're hitting them. They did none of this here. I mean, no, you you even showed me when we lived together because you were in a play. You like smack your arm or something, yeah. to make it sound like you're hitting. Someone. Yeah. So they didn't even do that, but you yeah. had uh, like when DT gets captured and they're fighting, like Masters of the Gridiron, you get a killer song. I was wrong, Ty. It wasn't during the fight. It was after the fight when they decide they need to gear up to get DT. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. As I was watching the movie yesterday and the montage came up, you see them because they say, oh, let's go gear up with whatever somebody got us. I'm like, first of all, why were they going to put their football pads on? What are they talking <laughs> about gear up? And then you see their crew and they're putting on like bulletproof vests and stuff that has bullets in it. And I see Mike Golick like cock a shotgun. And I mm -hmm. wrote on here. <laughs> Guns in the locker room? <laughs> yep, uh -oh. That's exactly... Yeah, yeah. They have an armory inside the Cleveland Browns yeah. locker room. I'm thinking, why do the Cleveland Browns have this? It's It reminds me of the movie The Last Boy Scout at the beginning when the guys... I don't know if you've seen that. Oh, yeah, I, I have. Anybody else yeah. has seen it, but the guys running the football on the field because that's how the movie starts and you just start shooting people. Mm -hmm. I'm like, is that what the Cleveland Browns are going to do here? <laughs> so, yes, yeah, so you, you have that, that great song. They all gear up. They do this stuff. And... It, again, the acting in this makes Masters of the Gridiron look like an Oscar winner. And <laughs> I, I don't I, I disagree. Again, uh, okay. like Bob Golick saying these things and he's using these words I never heard of. No, no, so I'm saying the acting in this is worse overall. Oh yeah, okay. Yeah, uh, the acting is worse. Because I just Bob Golick saying stuff and I wrote in my notes again. Why is Bob Golick so much smarter than everybody else? <laughs> well, speaking of which, so they're like, what are we gonna do? How are we gonna get DT? And here is Go Bob's plan. Right below us. You guys got the smoke bombs? Yeah, game over, man. We can't take care of with these. Maybe not, but they can't shoot what they can't see. That's right, and these guns make a lot of noise. But I don't think we can scare them into giving us back DT. We just got to buy some time. 
Do you really think this is going to work? I don't know, but all we have to do is create a good diversion so DT can deactivate their weaponry. Ty, he there was met- a real long silence <laughs> in there, too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Ty, they, uh, Golik met him like an hour ago. Yeah, <laughs> and now he's treating him like it's his son, his child, you know? So, going back to DT, they make their little, again, incredible effects with the lasers and the guns so and everything. Bad. So <laughs> bad. And DT crawls out from underneath whatever these other people are. He goes under a person's legs. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> then he uses the bad guy spaceship to call his people in, and he then breaks their guns or something bikes like through. bikes through their, yes. their they can't use their weapon golik and them all see it and they decide okay another fight it's like a gi joe episode there's a fight every five 100%. minutes and yeah. along with another fight you got to have another song Listen for Living for revenge. Yeah, and also within that song, they mention how are we going to get the dog back or something <laughs> yeah. like that. So this song, I have to imagine, was clearly written for this movie. <sighs> yeah, I I think when I looked up the musicians on this one, none of them had even come close to the Michael Stanley Band's level of okay. success or whatever you call All right. it. And sounds like it. I forgot, like, right before the big fight breaks out, because I guess Golik was going to go get the bad guy, and there's one dude standing there. You have to hear this line. You have to hear Bob Golik give this line. <laughs> Line because it is it is amazing there's only one of them and there's six of us okay just one of them with a 6,000 megawatt fully vaporizing self-cocking laser cannon he, he's, he, he didn't know what any of those words meant until he had to say this line. I would bet any kind of money they had no idea what any of those words meant and he's so nonchalant about it I mean, come on, man. You think Golik's a good actor? I said he's the best in this movie. You find him charming and charismatic in this lead role? Yeah. Uh, all right. So I mean, I, I'm looking it too up. Many, there's too many moments of dead silence in this movie, too. It's like they're trying to remember their lines. I looked this up, actually, while I was playing that, because this is important. The first Mortal Kombat game came out in 1992. The last fight that Golik has, the guy looks like he's Scorpion from Mortal Kombat. 100%. <laughs> Did Mortal Kombat steal from DT? I hope so, because that'd be awesome. But no, I was looking at uh, like the costuming, mm-hmm. and I'll mention the costuming when we get to the end credits of this movie, but my thought was these costumes are ridiculous, and then also I wrote these poor actors in these costumes. <laughs> well, Because those people, I have to imagine, are real actors. Yes. They're probably Cleveland-based, but they're real actors, and they're like, Oh my God, I get to be in a movie with the Cleveland Browns and John Rinaldi that's directed by his buddy Chuck (laughs) Shadowski? Of course I'll do this. And this is what they end up with. During the course of it, some reason DT dies. Yeah, I wrote DT dead with an exclamation (laughs) point and a question mark. And it's just a terrible look. You have this gigantic Dan Fike carrying around John Rinaldi like he's a child. child. Yeah. Oh my god, it was nuts. But While Bob Golick fights these other people. Yeah, yeah. But then DT starts glowing and he's alive. Again, E.T. It's <laughs> yes, like E.T. It's exactly a, like it. A poor E.T. Even to the point, well, they give him they give him a bowl and he thanks them all for his super, super bowl. bowl. And when Hanford Dixon's eating Hershey's, he says, oh, you're not eating the best part. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, aluminum foil is your favorite part, E.T.? Well, do you know what Chekhov's gun is? It's, I've heard it, but I'm not yeah, familiar. It's, it's an old play. Uh, Anton Chekhov's an old playwright, and he says if you ever introduce a gun in the play or introduce a gun in anything, you know yeah. it must be used. So yeah. anytime you see something like uh, you see somebody like, oh, look, I found this spear. Well, that spear needs to be used sometime. 
So I think when you see him first eat those Hershey's and he just eats them whole, you're thinking he's eating them whole. So I think that's all Chekhov's gun thing. They're like, okay. hey, remember he ate them whole. Anyways. <laughs> hey, yeah. <laughs> Too much credit to the writers there. And then, yeah, also when John Rinaldi delivered the thank you for this super, he takes a beat. Thank you for this super bowl. I was like, you got to be kidding me. You have to absolutely be kidding me. Again, after he said that, my note right here, why even make this movie? Is what I wrote. And then immediately after that, again, who is this for is what I wrote on here. (laughs) Well, he like with E.T. and his glowing finger, Golik's like, oh, my shoulder still hurts. And so, again, these are two grown men. Uh D.T., his nose blinks, and then he puts his nose right up to Golik's arm. He's like, oh, thanks. He looks like Rudolph when his nose blinks, (laughs) too. And then uh, he gives Bob his MVD award. Again, why not give it to Hanford Dixon? I mean, it seems to make a lot more sense. That would make way more sense. And then, okay, I just want to say real quick for this part right here. Again, I said at the top of this, this half, the movie is 24 minutes long. Where we ended after D.T. gets Mm -hmm. on his mothership. I turned out like that doesn't seem like 24 minutes. And I scrolled up to look at the time. There was seven minutes left on the YouTube. Like you said. <laughs> yeah. So like all sequels where everything needs to be bigger. Again, we're not yeah. talking about one song. <laughs> this song kicks in. That's a, a little sampling of the end credit song, which you're right. So like with Masters of the Gridiron, it shows all the people that were in it. Then it keeps going. Yep. Thanks. <laughs> the food people, including Little Caesars. <laughs> they thank the costume shop. And they're thanking all of these, but not only are they thanking them, they're putting their address and phone <laughs> yes. for anybody who's watching this. If you want to go to Little Caesars, this is the one we went to in. Plainville, Ohio, or whatever it is. The first commercial is just a picture of a pool table with the name yes. of And I have no idea why. <laughs> I don't I know wrote, who the pool table was. I wrote pool table? Question mark? <laughs> and then, my, so my other one's here. Pool table, suit guy, costume shop, <laughs> cell phone guy, and this is old school cell phone. <laughs> yeah. car, accident, car accident guy, and then horny couple at hotel. <laughs> yes, it's the last yeah. one I wrote on there. The, the quail hollow in. And <laughs> yeah. Look at all the stuff we could do, but tonight we're going to have romance. <laughs> yeah, and like you just see their hands touching each other while they're drinking wine. <laughs> like, again, why even make this? <laughs> no idea. <laughs> Who was this one for? Did this one sell a ton of copies? I, I, that's the thing. There, there's no Wikipedia pages for these things. I could oh not. I actually just in finding things out, I found out the other titles. It says because it says Dog DT is the fourth entry of the quote Cleveland Sports Series, Masters of the Gridiron, The Dream is Real, A Brown's Christmas, and Bloopers Outtakes and Highlights. I got to find that Bloopers one. Oh, yeah, <laughs> the Bloopers. Bloopers got to be great because if their highlight play is five yard out and draw run plays, <laughs> I can't wait to see what their bloopers is. Now the Browns the this year they went ten and six, made the playoffs for the fourth straight year. They lost in the first round to the Houston Oilers. Mm. That eighty eight season was the last time the Cleveland Browns swept the Steelers in the on the year. So it's been thirty five years yep. since they've done that. Wow, mm-hmm. maybe they should make more movies. Yeah. <laughs> And then, as we know, the Cleveland Browns ended up leaving for Baltimore. Ozzie Newsome became their Hall of Fame GM. GM. Clay Matthews had a son who also played. Played for the Packers for a while. Bob Golick went on to save by the bell the college years. Rough stuff. (laughs) Bernie Kosar (laughs) is Bernie Kosar. The thing is, when Mm -hmm. I look at these teams, like you go back to that Bears team, and there are Hall of Famers on that team. No Hall of Mm -hmm. Famers. On any of these teams? Ah, Ernest Bynum. Mm. I guess Ernest Bynum yeah. only had a couple of years. Yeah, no. Ty, I mean, this is where we'll end all this up. Do you think this could happen today? Yes, I do think it could happen today. And I know that might sound weird, but <clears throat> we we have two teams based in L.A. With the Rams. Well, I guess 
are the Rams the only LA team? No, no, the char- no, the Chargers. The Chargers. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I, yeah. Again, Los Angeles Clippers. Whenever I see yes. them scrolling <laughs> yes. by, but you have two teams based in LA, and you have younger coaches now: Kyle Shanahan, Matt Lafleur, Sean McVay. Like they're in commercials already, so I could see them making something like this. But it's not going to be this poorly made, and with football being as big as it is, and as many people like it. The Chiefs could do something like this, and they could enlist Paul Rudd to help them out. And Paul Rudd would get his famous friends to be in it because he's a huge Chiefs fan. So I do think something like this could be made. But the beauty of this, these two movies, DT and Masters of the Gridiron, are Super Bowl Shuffle is how cheesy they they were. Mm -hmm. I think if they were to do it now, it would be too produced and too over the top it would be superhero-esque i suppose there was an album that came out uh, called a philly special christmas which was the eagles offensive line singing christmas songs okay so that did come out this year but again that's what i think the uh whole overproduced thing i don't know if you watched uh, travis kelsey on saturday night live i did not he actually was pretty good it was that's what our our dad because our dad watches snl and he yeah. said it was better than he thought yeah, no, it was it wasn't it wasn't totally I, he and that's what I say he was pretty good at it. There's guys mm-hmm. like that, but I even posited the idea to my family last night. Could you see? I mean, the Bengals went out, got a had a really good um, off season so far, got a yeah. great offensive lineman, and I go, could you see the Bengals doing something like the Super Bowl Shuffle? And my wife's like, <sighs> you know, some of them would probably be you know Jamar Chase stuff like that. And she's like Joe Burrow. I go, I think Joe Burrow would be terrible. <laughs> yeah, I think I don't think I think him and Jamar Chase are so singularly focused on football yeah. that they'd be like, no, this would this is going to take away from my train. Yeah, and she said, well, he would look good doing it though. I go, yeah, but that's <laughs> the, the. I guess my point is, yes, these two movies, especially the second one, are just <laughs> out there. But compared to the Super Bowl Shuffle, time to be honest, I'm going to give Cleveland all the credit. They shot for the moon. Now they hit Mars. <laughs> But yeah, <laughs> they, they, they really tried. But see, this is the problem when you try and do something that somebody else. The, the Bears did it. And then they went out and proved that we were right to do this. The Browns, unfortunately, didn't. <laughs> no. And I think that's more often the case. And I do wonder if the Browns had won the Super Bowl that year, if this would if a Masters of the Gridiron especially would have been way more well known. In 2023, we're watching like, oh, this is hilarious. But I bet. A bunch of people would be like, oh, my God, these football players made this amazing 15-minute movie in 1987 or something. I, I don't know. It's just times have changed, and we've become so cynical that I just think if they were to try and do something like this now, it wouldn't have the same authenticity to it that these did. Yeah, when I was reading the Cleveland Browns subreddit, they had a this was one of the topics, and somebody said, I so badly now need Nick Chubb doing his Batman. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be great. <laughs> also, you really can't have Deshaun Watson in anything. So. No, he's too problematic. And like, who else? I, Donovan Peoples-Jones plays for the Browns, and he's a Michigan kid, but he wasn't incredibly charismatic when he was at Michigan. No. And like, and what's his name? Just, Miles, uh, what's a, the offense? Miles Garrett. He doesn't he, seem like he wants well, to do that nonsense. He's an insane person, though, too. Uh, well, I mean. And he's a defensive, yeah, defensive yeah. lineman. But he, yeah. yeah, again, he's... He's nuts, and he's so singularly focused on football that this would just take away from his time. Well, I want to see the duet between soon-to-be Jets quarterback Aaron Rodgers and Sauce Gardner. Uh, well, I uh, <laughs> I don't want to see anything involving Aaron Rodgers because I'm over that guy. But you got to like, you know, it would have been great if what's his name, the Harvard grad with the big beard, Fitzpatrick. Oh yeah, if he was still in the league. I think he would have fun with something. Like to this. be fair, like he, I don't know if you ever watched Thursday Night Football. He's on the the show for Thursday Night Football, mm-hmm. and he's actually pretty good. He is. Yeah, he no, is I, a guy that is entertaining and he's always kind of been like that he's incredibly smart he's entertaining and he was i think he knows that he he was incredibly lucky to find his place in football oh yeah how he found it and i think he would have but you got to find people and i just there's just nobody who's that i see that jumps out at me in the nfl who would have fun doing you got nutbags like aaron Rodgers, and i know he's retired but tom brady and guys like that who are crazy and all these young kids they're so singularly focused on getting better at the game like Jalen Ramsey might be good at something like this. You know, him and Tua could do something. But again, Tua's, I'm not saying this is a joke. He's just got too many concussions. He probably won't remember his lines. Yeah, no, that's true. So I go through the teams I think of, and I I don't want to see Matthew Stafford trying to act because I saw those commercials that he did. And I I, I despise Aaron Rodgers. 
Justin Fields is too focused on football. Joe Burrow is too focused on football. You look at try and look at the young guys, and I just don't think it would work now. No. They wouldn't have the same feel that these did. No. Well, Ty, that was it. That is the the Cleveland Browns cinematic <laughs> universe. I could have thrown in the movie Draft Day, which was a big budget Kevin Costner thing. That, that movie's not bad. No, that, Chad, I've heard Chadwick that from Boseman's a, in the movie. Yeah, I've heard that <laughs> from a lot of people that. I, I'm not including that in the greater Cleveland cinematic universe, but maybe you could. But these these stand up there with the the Drew Carey shows of the world and just being pure Cleveland 1980s. It was a sad. I, I'm glad I saw it. I don't think I'll ever watch it again. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is what we could find of the Cleveland Browns cinematic universe. This is already. I'm recording a little bit after Ty and I recorded this. This is an older podcast that we'd put together. But I just wanted to tell you, thank you for listening to First Watch Rewatch. The podcast comes out on the 1st and 15th of every month, so look for that. You can find it in your podcast feeds under Public Forum Productions. I'll also be posting some of these onto our ex-millennial man feeds too, but please go to Public Forum Productions and follow us. There's a couple of other podcasts we'll be bringing out under that feed. If you want to get in touch with us, go to the comments, come reach out to us, say, hey, I want to do my own first watch rewatch, Here's a, or give us recommendations for movies or TV shows, TV episodes, whatever it may be that you would like to hear us talk about. Coming up soon, I have one with, uh, we're going to be doing Grease 2 with Tina, and I'm going to be doing The Room with Ty, so that's where our schedule is taking us in the near future as a little bit of a tease. And really, guys, there's just one way to go out on this. Mm-hmm.